Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Jonah and Ben Play Board Games with Friends. I am Jonah, joined by my co-host, Ben. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Happy 4th of July. You too. What are your plans today? Uh, well, it's pouring rain here in Florida. I was going to grill myself some burgers, but <laughs> I might have to make them inside, not on the grill. Do you have the means to cook burgers inside? I do. I have, I have a cast iron skillet. Excellent. Are there any fireworks shows happening or just like people's backyards? Um, so as a community, because everything in Florida seems to be like a big old community where everything is like planned out, uh, they have apparently purchased over $2,500 worth of fireworks and will be setting them off in a closed, unbuilt portion of the community. But the good news is uh, our backyard overlooks, like if we look a little bit to the left, it's mm -hmm. looking right where they're supposed to be setting them off. So no need to go and sit in a crowd of people, which so I don't a good do anyway. Point. Yeah, so that's what I have heard. But, you know, hopefully with the weather and all, it'll be still happening. So mm -hmm. we'll see. But that's really it. What about you? Anything going on today? Uh, were you over here for Fourth of July last year? I forget. Oh, I think, I, were... I think I was. I think I was down here last year too. Oh yeah. Um, well, living on the seventeenth floor has perks two times a year: the Fourth of July and New Year's. But I don't think there's going to be too much going on this year. Yeah. We can see the city from here, which is really cool, oh, especially cool. when they have their fireworks show on the river. But I don't really think there's going to be much going on tonight. I'll find out. Well, hopefully. I mean, it would at least be cool to see fireworks, even if there's not a huge crowd. That's right. People were setting some off last night, and I went out on the uh, the scooter. This is my brother and I bought electric scooters because we're lazy. And uh, I went out fireworks chasing, and it uh, turns out that they were just like right across in the backyard. So Is that like storm chasing, but a lot less natural? Yeah, 100%. I was just looking for funky colors and listening for crackling noises, and I was just scooting around. Sweet. Sounds like a good time. I mean, it was fun. I was out for probably like 25, 30 minutes just riding around, so no complaints. Mm. All right, should we get to the games played last week? Yeah, sure. Light week for me, so I can start if you would yeah. like me to. Go for it. Um, I did not play any board games this last week. Uh, but I did start and not finish a Villainous puzzle. So uh, Villainous is a board game. Uh, Disney Villainous, I guess, is the actual name. And uh, they have now created puzzles based off of the board game. Mm -hmm. And I bought one at Target and started doing it with my family and did not get anywhere close to finishing it. But Did you not play a game Thursday night? Well, yeah, it was that was not a board game though. I was getting to that. Oh, that doesn't count as a board game. All right. Well, it's a tabletop role-playing game called Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I mean, it's I mean, it's still a game played. I was getting there though. But yes, I played Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I didn't really play. I ran Dungeons and Dragons for you and five other people. That's uh, right. And I mean, I had a good time. I it was hope your you had first a good time. dungeon master experience, right? Uh, well, it was technically my second, but the other group that I play with is based off of a pre-made starter set scenario. So this is really right. 
my first where I've come up with everything. And so, how was it for you? A little nerve wracking. Not gonna lie, yeah. you scared you scared me. You literally terrified me when you were like, "Let's go south," because I literally did not create anything to the south. <laughs> so when it's you a said, good thing that got steered in another direction. Yeah, I I was totally fine with everything that happened, but the second you said, "Let's go south," I was like, "How can I redirect this so oh, I don't man. need to come up with an entire new part of the map on the fly?" Um, I can easily do it now, but in mm-hmm. in the moment was a hard no. So I'm glad that it got steered in another direction. But I had I had a good time. It was fun. I was yeah, winging it, was it and uh, reacting to what you guys were doing, which is all I could do. So right, I uh, I already knew I was not great at role playing, but holy cow, compared to Jordan and his dad, and also <laughs> Nick, man, they're experts. I was not expecting anything from what jordan was doing he was like the we brought brought in the voice and everything oh my god it was it good was great. i thought it was, it was good. So good yeah i mean you you did role play in your charismatic bard role to try and stop a battle in the middle of a battle i tried no so, you know it was it was never going to be easy for you to do it but right you tried i did my part so and no, that, uh, we'll play that again in two weeks right uh, yeah, that seems to be the plan. And I guess while we're on this games played subject, I can bring up that I forgot last week to talk about playing Shia. Yeah, uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so I know two episodes ago now, I believe, I mentioned that I was playing Shia that night. And I think that was actually our game of the week. Yeah, I think that was our game of the week with Patrick. Um, it was awesome. It was. Where did you play? I played on Tabletop Simulator, and I will say, probably not a game I would play again on Tabletop Simulator. Right, this is a platform you can play on your computer, right? Yes. So there's a few different online board game platforms. Tabletop Simulator is just the one that I've gotten the most used to, and it has a bunch of different games. And this is an official downloadable content version of the game, so it's very well made. It is probably the best tabletop simulator modification, they're called mods, um, that I've personally used. But there is so much going on in this board game. Right. I, it's definitely easier to keep track of in person. Mm-hmm. How um, many people played it? It was three, right? It was a three-player game. It was myself, Rich, our friend Rich, uh, and then our other friend Paul. Um, and we have all played before. We all really enjoy the game, and we decided instead of playing to 20 points, because you can kind of, it's open-ended, you can make it to whatever you want, uh, we played to 13 points just to try and keep the game a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, my streak of blind jumping into the sun on the first turn ended. I was going to ask. Because Paul ruined it, because he blind jumped into the sun right before I was going to do it. Oh, he beat you to it. He drew yeah. the tile from the top of the stack before you could, right? Yep. And uh, he was actually, the funniest part was he was actually going to stop his movement. Like he was going to stop his turn and then it was going to be my turn. And I was going to, I was going to blind jump, but he was like, eh, I'll do it one more time. And he blind jumped right into the sun, but at least somebody did it. Right. Um, it has to happen every game. Exactly. Um, But no, it was really, it was really good. And it was, for a while, it was pretty like 
slow in the middle. There was a lot of buildup, but like the ending was just one of the more exciting endings I've had in the game. Mm-hmm. And I was I was two points away from winning the game, and I had claimed a title. So in the game, you draw various events or title cards based on how many victory points people are at. There's like stages at which you draw events that affect the game um, or titles where if you complete something, you can gain extra fame. Um, And it would have given me two points for rolling a natural 20 Mm -hmm. on the die because as we mentioned, this game is completely luck-based. So you can gain a point just from rolling a 20 on a d20. A high roll gets you a point. Exactly. So all I needed to do was roll a 20. And I had I had literally nothing that I was able to complete to get more points. So I was just going to every possible point where I could roll a d20. And I was just rolling, rolling, rolling. And I could not hit a d20. And then out of nowhere, Pat, uh, not Patrick, Paul just comes swooping in from like two points behind me and just completes like two missions in two turns and just wins the game. But uh no, it was it was really good. So that was not this last week, but it was the week before. But I forgot to it mention counts. it in the last episode, it counts. so I'm bringing it up now. All right, and next time you'll play it in person, you think? Hopefully. that's That would right. be ideal. The so. way things are going right now, who knows? Yeah. What about you? I had a light game week as well. Um, Dungeons & Dragons on Thursday, like you mentioned, so I can skip over that. Um, I played Marco Polo with... Nick and Rich. Jeez, I'm really bad at remembering who I played games with. Anyway, uh, played Time Marco to note Polo. Note these things down, Jonah. Yeah, I think I have it written down, and I can check very, very briefly if we can stall. Yes, excellent. Um, I played with Nick and Rich, and I mentioned it, I think, a week or two ago as well, only as a, another dice manipulation worker placement kind of game similar to Lorenzo Il Magnifico, which we played. You did not play. I did not play, no. Um, Anyway, Marco Polo is a really cool game where each turn, each person will roll five dice and there are different locations on the board where you can put these dice and the pip values of the dice determine how good they are and what they can be used for. And one thing that I really like about Marco Polo is sometimes you want a low number die because that makes something cheaper for you. Like sometimes you want three sixes to do this high thing where you need three dice to take the action. Sometimes you want to be able to put a one or a two down so you can spend less money to do that action as well. So I like that aspect. Do the pips, like do the higher die values give you more powerful... So there's kind of this central market that uh, the top row, you have to put three dice there, and the lowest of those three corresponds to an action. So there is a market row, and in each row, there are six things to do. And just the top row, you need three dice to go there. The next row, you need two. The next, you need two. And the bottom three, I think you need one each. So like on the bottom one, where you can just get some camels, if you put a five there, you just get five camels. You put a one there, you get one camel. But on the like spice and cloth track, the cloth track, no, the gold track, sorry, needs three dice. If you put a five, a five, a four, and a three there, you get three gold, I think, because it oh, is the lowest, lowest one. 
Right. But you need to put three there to take that action. So there's some cool like turn planning with how well you can, if you can get some extra dice with uh, your camels. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on in the game. It's pretty neat. I enjoyed it a lot more than Lorenzo Il Magnifico. And one really fun part about Marco Polo is everyone has a player power. You have a character who you play as, and each character basically breaks the game in one way, which is really cool. And it leads to replayability and more interesting plays, I think. Sounds um, a little asymmetric. Right. So I was Matteo Polo. Who knows? I guess Marco's younger brother. and. That let me have an extra white die every single round. So I was rolling six instead of five. And I started each round with another contract because there's contract completion in this game as well. I know you love contract completion. It is fun. It is definitely fun. Rich was a character that makes it so you don't have to pay if you go to a spot that someone else has already gone to. Because normally if someone takes an action before you and you want to go there, you have to pay the number that is your lowest pip die when you go there. So if I go somewhere where you have gone and I put a four and a two, I will pay those two dollars to go there. Sure. So that's where the low rolls can be nice. Um, is it so- too random with all the dice, or is it like easily like is it one of those games where the dice are just there as an extra bit? of randomness but it's not too random because yeah, of what you can I do don't think board. it's too random only because like if you don't like something you rolled you can spend a camel to totally re-roll it or spend gotcha. two camels to bump it up or down one number so that mitigates a lot of the randomness which I think is good uh, yeah it's a fun game it definitely rewards repeat plays like most games but it's cool I think you should try it sometime I probably will I don't have much else to do but try new games at this point. So That's right. Uh, and then I only played one other game this week, and that was PAX Premier 2nd Edition, which uh, we briefly mentioned on the podcast last week. Nick started to explain it, and then I finished off the explanation last week. I'll do a very short explanation now in case people didn't catch it last week. It is a game where each person takes uh, the role of a tribe in Afghanistan. Afghanistan. And you can be loyal to the British, the Afghans, or the Russians. And there's some area control and some card drafting or card purchasing. Anyway, it was an enjoyable game. It played kind of differently than a few of the other games we played because all four of us were British for the first like dominance check and a half. Oh, geez. Which was really strange because... So there was not really much of a reason to switch alliances when you right. were all one. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's really tricky to switch when, like you said, everyone is the same alliance because then it almost turns into a 1v3. Yeah. But we just couldn't get other Patriot cards in the market. None of them were showing up. And then finally, there was an Afghan and a, a Russian in the market. So Nick and I jumped ship. And uh, like I mentioned last week, I always jump ship at the end to have some fun. I came in last. And... Uh, so it goes. I still had a great time. Um, Who yeah. won? I think Patrick won. Yeah, Patrick and Greg were both British at the end. And the final score was 
Patrick with 11, Nick with 6, Greg with 5, and me with 2. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, it was it was a poor showing, but as always, it was a good time, so that's yeah. fine. Yep. That's all that really matters, at least for that's me. Right. I don't know. Unless you're certain people who love to win and only love to win, but Not and if, that's, if that's you, hey, more power to you. I'm sure you win a lot. Um, and just like uh, Shia, it is a great implementation on Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, for sure. And I know we've talked, I mean, I don't remember which episode we've talked about various Tabletop Simulator mods anymore, but there are definitely some bad ones out there. So, Looking at you, QE. <laughs> the game this week is Castell. Castell is a game that takes place in Catalan, Catalonia? I forget. Anyway, it is a game where you are creating human towers. It actually is a real thing that happens to this day. It's called Castel because the people who form these human towers are called Castellers, probably Castellers in Catalan. And it is a really neat game, is really all I can say about it. You start the game with different sized people that you have. They're numbered 10, 1 to 10. And when you build your human tower, you start with the higher numbers at the bottom and then the lower numbered and smaller people ones going up from there. Um, ben, what do you think of this game? You've played this a couple times as well, right? Yeah, I really I really like this game. I think it it plays quick. It's pretty easy to learn outside of a couple of the special powers well i don't know if they're called powers but the special abilities that you can use because there are there are a couple of those that are a little bit finicky until you get into the game a little bit Um, right i'll talk about the tower construction really quickly so we can dive into that a little deeper so you start with some people like i said and your starting tower has some restrictions it can be a maximum of three people wide the level of people on top of the bottom have to be a lower number so a smaller person a 10 can have a 9 on it but a 9 cannot have a 10 on top of it it must be a smaller number and fewer pieces because you're making kind of a pyramid tower so three on the bottom then two on the on top of that then one on the very top as you begin to train in your abilities i think is what it was called you can build wider, better, taller towers. So one thing you can upgrade is your width. Now, instead of having a maximum width of three, you can have a maximum width of four. And then you can go four, three, two, one, climbing up the tower. You have just bought yourself another level, which is great. Another thing you can improve upon is your balance. And balance lets you put two people on top of two other people you no longer have to reduce the number of people as you go up. Now you have all of these people that can balance fantastically well. And there are a few other than that, but Ben, I'll go back to you now. Yeah, balance was the one I was thinking of because you have to think about it in terms of like the the vertices, how you explain it, where you have to right. think about like the vertices of where things are connecting. That's the only one that really confuses me, but it plays quick. It's easy to learn. It's just a neat concept that it is an actual thing that happens in real life and right. you're like 
constantly fidgeting with this like little human pyramid which is like a game within a game Mm -hmm. so it's pretty cool to be able to adjust that kind of on the fly so even there's really no downtime it feels like there's no downtime because when it's another person's turn you're fidgeting with your human pyramid to try and match up with various goals that are out on the board to gain points and then you're moving around the board to various locations in order to train up in those abilities or to put on performances at the end of the turn or recruit more people to your tower as well oh yes of course because you always need more people in your tower and it is always very hard to get those little children the number one the number ones and number twos are these little children and it's very difficult to get them so you yeah you always want to go get those kids when this sounds so bad but you always want to go get those kids when they're available (laughs) um and it's just there's a lot to do right so it feels like you have a lot to do which i mean because there is a lot to do it feels that way and because it plays so quick and there's almost no downtime it's just fun the entire way through yeah it's really great because it's like you said it's different from most other games that we play and have played it's just a really neat theme as well you know just something totally different than trading in the mediterranean or buying some sheep and farming you know so it's great to play a game that's a totally different theme than what you're used to and one thing that i also really enjoy in the game the game takes place over 10 rounds and after the first two rounds at the end of each round after that there will be a performance and what you can do is you can see where this performance will be and the performance will be in a certain region and require you to have certain numbered people in your tower So you can really do some good long-term planning in this game, because if you see that there is this awesome festival happening in Otaro at the end of round nine, and you need a four, a seven, and a six, you can start recruiting those numbers to try and put on this awesome performance at the end of that round. And a neat part of this game is the scoring as well, because whenever you put on a performance, you don't add to your current score, you just update your top score. Because it's like you are putting on a performance. People only remember your greatest show. So if you put on a worse performance in round four than in round three, you can still get some points out of it and some other chits that will help you with some endgame bonuses, but you don't go down in points for putting on a worse performance. Yeah, I, I think that's a neat a neat aspect as well. And then I know, I know last week we discussed, uh, did we decide whether it was Rondel or Rondell? I think it's Rondell. Okay. But the, isn't, there's a Rondell in this, right? Yeah. For the training. There's a Rondell. Yeah. For where you can train. Yeah. And I, I just, I always think that things like that are neat. You can, right. cause the, the regions that you mentioned where you can put on these performances and also train your abilities switch during the game because this rondelle is being rotated. Um, so that right. means you, you can plan ahead for, you know, if you're in a specific region and you want to train a specific ability, you can see that that ability will be moving to your region on the next turn. And you're like, Oh, I'm good. I'll do something else this turn in this region and wait for that on the next turn. Right. Yeah. So. It's cool to see where you're going to have to go to train. And yeah. I also really like that it moves around and restricts, where you can train things because it kind of i wouldn't say it 
forces you into a certain strategy. But if you really want to train your balance and you see that it's over here, then maybe you do something else for this turn, like you said, and then train that next turn. Yep. I just, like I said, there's a lot to do and not much downtime. So I think it's a, it's a lot of fun. And we played it, what, three, three players in like an hour? and Yeah, hour it plays so quickly. It's yeah. great. And it's also, I just want to touch on, so Greg introduced me to Castell. And I am forever thankful for that. Um, Castell is a game also that you're never really being too mean to the other players, which is good for a lot of people that don't like to go to their hobbies to be mean to their friends. Um, When we played Pax Pamir the other day, Greg came to the conclusion that he doesn't like to do mean stuff to people in board games. Like in Pax Pamir, sometimes you can do something and it'll hurt someone else. And Greg said he doesn't really like to do that in games. And similarly, he said in Food Chain Magnate, he might see that he can steal a sale from someone else, but it doesn't feel good to do that for him. Yeah, And I totally get that from Castell. Yeah, he said the same thing to me when we played Imperial that one time. He could have oh, yeah? taken the tr- he could have taken resources from someone else's trade route, and he's like, "Did I'm just going to do my own trade route?" <laughs> so, right. Yeah. So yeah. this is definitely a good game for people like Greg, who don't go to board games to be mean to their friends, and who also maybe would shy away from the meaner, even though it's the better play. Yeah, I think I think that makes sense. I I would agree maybe. with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the meanest thing you can do is take the little kid. Right. I was going to say, you can still be mean by taking a person that someone else wants, but it's like not debilitating to their turn. Yeah. Plus, once you're done with that, you can reach into the most comically large bag of tiles yeah. ever created and pull out some new kids. That's another perk of Castell. Well, the game comes with a cloth bag that's probably one foot wide by like a foot and a half, two feet tall. It could probably fit the game box. Yeah, I'm sure it could. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a great little component to add to your playing, but <laughs> boy, is it ever unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, but nope, definitely a great game, and I'm I hope hope we can play it again soon. I have not looked to see if there is a mod or anything online, but so I heard that there is a mod on Tabletop Simulator for it, but I don't know how much I want to try it because yeah. if you have to manipulate. 10 to 15 chits every yep. single turn to restack. I mean, you're not stacking them fighting against gravity. You just do it horizontally on the table. But either way, you're rearranging these chits the entire game. And I don't know that I would enjoy doing that with a mouse. Yep, I didn't think about that, but makes complete sense. And I actually agree now that you say it. <laughs> so, But there is a mod. I just looked it up. So it doesn't yeah? exist. Yeah. Eh, maybe I'll give it a look. I'll, I'll look at it. But, yeah. But I agree with what you just said. And makes. I also don't feel bad downloading a mod of a game I own, because I would play this game with friends right now if I could, but I can't meet in person. So you're getting. I mean, New Jersey's getting closer to being able to meet in person a little bit, but yeah, New Jersey is. But I don't think I want to. Yeah, yeah. Florida definitely isn't. I can tell you that much. Yeah, not looking good. No, I think there are over eleven thousand cases today. So I'm not going outside today. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, no, uh, definitely would like to play it again whenever we are able. Great. And uh, that is Castell. Now we move on to Ben's backings and other Kickstarter happenings. Yes. Uh, not not too much has changed in terms of what I am backing uh, from last week. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming up on Tuesday is Perseverance, finally. Oh, um, is that happening that soon? Yes, it is. And what I is Perseverance? I cannot wait. Perseverance is a dice drafting so you are pulling out dice from a bag and using those dice to do various things uh i believe it is a worker placement game using those dice Mm -hmm. um but it is set where there's like a settlement of people and dinosaurs so i know there was that other game i mentioned dinosaur 1944 yeah a lot of dino talk in the last few weeks yeah well dinosaurs seem to be the new the new in thing at the moment they're the new zombie. Yeah. Well, yes, that's what it seems. I was going to say the new Cthulhu, but Cthulhu's never oh, yeah. going away. So it, there's not a new version of that. Um, but it is honestly, and th- I'm very shallow in this regard, uh, it is by Mind Clash Games, which they created Anachrony, uh, Cerebria, and Tricarian, which are. Th- three of my favorite games. I mean, I haven't played Cerebria enough for it to really be up there with the other two yet, but Anachrony and Tricarian are both in my top five games, Mm -hmm. and Mind Clash just runs such a good campaign for almost everything that if the name Mind Clash is on the box, I'm going to back it. Like it's that It it has gotten to that point that they're a company that I trust enough to instant back Mm -hmm. pretty much any game coming up. I'll have to take and, a look at it when it hits Kickstarter. I've seen some of the designer diaries posted on BoardGameGeek, but I figured I'll just check it out when it hits the page. Yeah, that's what I've that's what I've been following mostly as well. Um, but other than that, uh, not too much on Kickstarter this week in terms of backings. Um, a few of the pledge managers for various things that I've been backing are opening up soon. What are um, you waiting on? Anything arriving waiting- in the next two months? trying to think um qe well, i know technically yeah, in the next two months Q, qe technically in the next two months will arrive um i think it i think the update today said it was going to be shipping in august now instead of july which it's fine it is what considering it is. the current timeline of playing in person it's exactly. not the end of the world um the onk uh pledge manager just opened but it's open until september so i'm going to be giving it like a month. That's a long time. So, yeah, I'm going to be giving it like a month so that I don't spend too much money at one time and I can put that off a little bit further. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- other than that, I the other big one I'm waiting on is uh, the Company of Heroes board game. Um, they're still, they still seem pretty well on track to deliver in, in August. Um, and Company of Heroes, for those that don't know, is a real-time strategy video game on the computer. And it is set in World War II. Um, and I loved it. One of my favorite computer games I've ever played, mm. even though I'm I'm terrible at it. So I only play games against the computer because I cannot play against another person. I'm so bad. Um, but the board game looks like a really interesting area control game that has a good amount of 
stuff. And Jonah, you know me, I love my stuff. So it's got miniatures, it's got miniature buildings that the doors for the buildings slide open so you can move your miniature vehicles into the buildings for cover and all this Sweet. crazy stuff. Um, and then it's got like a, a nice in-game economy where you go and capture victory point locations on the board. Um, but along the way, in order to gain resources, you have to capture other points that give you like gasoline or mm -hmm. morale in order to recruit new vehicles or people. And it, it seems like a really good implementation of the computer game in board game form. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. And uh, let me see, I'm looking at my list right now at what, what is catching my eye for what I'm really waiting on. Oh, you know what, you know, what is uh, coming in soon? Um, the village pillage expansion. Mm. Uh, so for those that have not played or seen village pillage before, it is a very quick playing. Uh, I would say simultaneous action selection. Yeah, that's good. We're talking game. about that today. Yeah. Um, where you have a small hand of cards and there's a market for cards that you can buy using currency you earn during the game but you are playing against your opponents to your left and right. Um, mm -hmm. And your card that you place down simultaneously with your opponents, uh, they will go up against each other. And based on who, which card is matching up against which card, various outcomes will happen. But the expansion adds like seafarers. So it'll add like ship based cards and water based cards and, and things like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to that one. So that's coming in soon as well. Cool. Yeah. I uh, I definitely want to try the expansion stuff when it arrives. I yeah. did like the game quite a fair bit. I thought it was neat. And yeah, definitely want to try that. Yeah. I have a thing or two. I don't know. I've had some updates on Kickstarter. Um, Oath is in yet another iteration of development. Oath is a game by uh, Cole. Whirly, behind Whirly Gig Games, who does Root and Pax Premier Second Edition, and John Company, a whole host of interesting different games. Anyway, um, when Root was on Kickstarter, apparently it changed quite a fair bit from being backed to being fulfilled because they still had a lot of playtesting to do. So uh, yeah, I am interested to see what other updates they make to Oath. And I mean, it's not going to be here for another seven or eight months anyway so yeah really really quick i as i just said i'm a sucker for how things look and i'm not gonna lie the most recent update makes me kind of want to back the game just because of the changes they made visually oh for um, oath yeah it looks yeah it looks really good so much better than it did during the kickstarter like mm -hmm. visually it looks better so if they're changing the look that much i know when we tried the pre-release version on tabletop simulator i wasn't in love yeah with i wasn't it. in love with it either but it's also gone through two exactly. big sweeping changes since then so i want to try and exactly hold out an opinion until yeah it comes which i would normally do anyway yeah it's just interesting to try a game and then i don't know because we tried it on tabletop simulator and the next day they came out with an update saying this is all changed now and we're like oh uh, yeah, my opinions are invalid one day later. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, 
based on that and how much they've changed in terms of the look, it, it really does have me considering late backing it just to have it. Because I know mm-hmm. that these games are his games particularly are usually well received. So even if I'm not in love with it when it comes in, I probably won't have any problems being able right. to sell it. There's a I second mean, hand I, market for sure. Yeah. I mean, I resold Root for slightly more than I bought it for when it first came out because I didn't think I was going to be able to teach anybody that game. So I still haven't played right. it, I, but I want to. Um, so yeah, that definitely looks like a good one now. So yeah, it should be cool. Um, anything else? Oh, Lucky Ducks. The Kickstarter has ended. And uh, I will be receiving some dice with rubber duckies inside of them in a few months. December? I, think I don't know. Kickstarters take forever. It's best to <laughs> pretend they don't exist after you've committed to spending the money. And then it's a pleasant surprise down the road. Set and forget. I think I owe you some money for that as well. We'll so. have to figure that out later. You let me know. <laughs> I guess I will. Uh, that's about it for me for this week's Kickstarter. Is there anything for you to add? No, I think, uh, I mean, I have a lot, so at some point I'll Gotta get pay through yourself. this list. But yeah, I don't want to pile it all on at once. But yeah, I, I can tell you for sure next week you're going to be hearing, I backed Perseverance. So right. um, that much I can guarantee. Outside of that, I'll bring up some stuff I'm waiting on uh, in future episodes. But yeah. All right, excellent. In that case, we will move on to the mechanic of the week. This week's mechanic is simultaneous action selection. Ben, yeah, what is that? Um, so I mentioned it a little bit when I was talking about Village Pillage, but simultaneous action selection is a mechanic where you and the other players in the game are at the same time selecting an action that you would like to do whether it's on the board or on your cards. And you don't, you usually do not reveal what you would like to do until everybody is ready to reveal what they've chosen. Um, So in the case of Village Pillage, if you and I were playing, I would pick a card, put it face down on the table. And then once you pick a card and put it face down on the table, we would count down and then reveal. And then you resolve the actions that everybody chose. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some heavier, crunchier, if we're using the peanut butter scale, some crunchier games oh, that's that use right. this, and some smoother games that use it as well. It is a pretty widely used mechanism, mm-hmm. um, and it is in one of my favorite games in Tricarian, which I mentioned earlier. And uh, yeah, I I like this mechanic. I don't know how you feel about it uh, or what games you've played outside of the two I've mentioned that uses it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Tricarion, I think, uses it really well as well because it combines it with the action point system, which is really neat. So you choose your actions ahead of time, and then you can also send your workers out to certain spots. And you might see that someone else chose the same action as you, but you want to do that action before they do it. So yeah, I uh, Tricarion has it, uses it well. Village Pillage has it. Um, food chain magnate somehow has it. I don't know. You pick what workers you want to play at the same time as everyone else. I'm going to say it barely has it, but 
yeah, it's a very it's, it's a very light implementation of this mechanic. Right. I would say it technically has it, but it's not a game that I would say, oh yeah, Boot Chain has that. No, it's but Dracarion, it's you know, it's the it's yeah. the meat of the game. Every single round you have these cards and you say, What do I want to do this round? And then you choose five or six things to do that round, and then when all the actions are revealed, you can really plan out what is going to happen in the round. Another big one that has it that most people probably know is Gloomhaven. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, Gloomhaven, the number one board game on Board Game Geek. Um, at Rising Sun does too, right? Yes, Rising Sun done, does as well. Um, specifically during battle is when Rising Sun uses it. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're bidding on various right, actions that you're hiding. Too. And yeah, a, a lot of games use it, whether it's light implementations or the soul or the central function of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, th- on Board Game Geek, which is what we're using to measure this, in relation to, what was it, um, it increasing value of unselected goods had like 40-something. Yeah, and this has 4,000. 4,000, nearly 5,000. Oh, so, um, you know, there, there are a lot of games that use this mechanic. Um, we've just mentioned a couple of them, but I know... But to varying degree... As- I think exactly. is important to say because, like I said, it is what Tracarion is, whereas it is not what Gloomhaven Gym. is exclusively. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I know, I know, we've discussed pros and cons of some mechanics in in the past, and this one I definitely think has the most cons of the ones we've discussed so far, because mm-hmm. specifically in the crunchier games like Tracarion. It can heavily bring about analysis paralysis. Right. If we haven't explained analysis paralysis, it's just like we did last week. Yeah. We might have, but yeah, it's just taking taking a lot of time to think about everything you can do on your turn, which causes you to freeze and extend game time. Right. It's when you have so many choices that it's crippling, basically. Yeah, and in a game like Dracarian, where it's a crunchy game with a lot to do and a lot to plan for having to also think while your opponents are doing the same thing of where you want to go on the board, who you want to send to various places on the board, etc. I think this mechanic while while it works very well in that game is also a bit of a detriment in that it can bring about analysis paralysis a lot. And uh, I think that's the case in in a lot of games that use this. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Um, It's interesting because with some of the other mechanics that we've talked about, the pros and the cons can be wildly different. But with simultaneous action selection, the pro is the con. Because the pro is you can plan out your entire turn. And it's great. You think what you want to do. You decide what you want to do. Done. The con is you have to plan out your entire turn. Yep. You have to think about all all of it, and then you'll see what happens later. And exactly what you were saying, you know, some people who have AP, analysis paralysis, uh, they're going to sit there and they're just going to say, what do I do? What should I do? How can I do it? And uh, yeah, it's totally fine that some people get analysis paralysis. We all get it. I get it during certain games, but I... I really try and make an effort not to take 
slow long turns because as the host of the uh, what is it i think it's the so very wrong about games podcast uh he says with regard to analysis paralysis mistakes are fun play faster and it's such a great thing to think about because you know when we were playing pax Pamir the other day it was like the final round and i was like trying to think about how i can squeak out uh, another point or two and maybe not come in last but whatever i said i'll do this and it's going to be fun and it was so yeah yeah i definitely i definitely agree with that especially when it comes down to later turns in various games and you want to try and like maximize your points oh, there's so much min maxing at the end of some games yeah yeah and uh i think simultaneous action selection can make that a little bit crazy for some people. Mm -hmm. But on the other end of the spectrum, there's Village Pillage, where you're literally just playing one of five cards and seeing what happens, and it doesn't have too much of an outcome on the game, because there's not that many choices. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that case, I think it makes that game play quick and fun. instead of being like highly strategic. So I definitely see like you can see on both ends of the spectrum how the mechanic can be both good and bad, but like you said it's kind of the pro is the con for this specific mechanic. But Right. And uh another game that has it is Broom Service, which I think is a really neat game. Um Broom Service is a game that uh, the art will scare a lot of people away because it's just, it looks like a children's book about witches flying around in the forest or something. But uh, it has this really neat system in it where everyone has the exact same 10 cards in their hand. And at the beginning of each round, each person will choose four of those cards. And each card has a strong action and a weak action. It's called the brave action and the cowardly action. And I think some people don't want to say I am a brave mountain witch, but I'm totally cool with it. I think it's funny. Anyway, um it has the simultaneous action selection because everyone chooses the same from the same cards at the same time, but someone going first taking the strong action might not get that strong action if someone after them chose the same card this round. And I think it's a game that uses simultaneous action selection really well, just because it's such a neat concept to have everyone have the same cards that they have to choose from. It makes every round really tense, it makes every decision feel important, but you can really, really uh, hurt yourself and get screwed over by uh, taking the strong action and having someone else steal it from you later. Yeah. I I enjoyed Broom Service when we played it. And I know when you first showed it to me, I was like, is this about like cleaning something? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I didn't know what it, because I, you just told me the name and you were like, what do you think this is? And I, that's what I initially thought. But I really liked it. And I, like you said, the art might scare people away, but hopefully it doesn't. I would like people, more people to try it because I think it's a good game. Yeah, it's really neat. I think, um, what's it called? Glass Road? I think there's a board game called Glass Road or something that has the exact same uh, idea behind it where everyone has the same cards and you choose a couple of them. But yeah, I like the simultaneous action selection in that, definitely. Yeah. I I think it's it's a mechanic that I like because it's in games that I like. And right. I think usually it's done pretty well, but um, 
it's interesting to see a mechanic that can be so widely uh, varied in terms of like the level in which it's used. So, right. I think one reason it's in games as well is to maybe speed them up, which is kind of funny to think about with the con that we're talking about. But you know, if all players in the game kind of take their turns at the same time or choose something at the same time, it can definitely speed things up. But uh, analysis paralysis, always there to get you. Yep. Can you think of any games that you don't like it in? Or where it's not that meaningful? It's it's just used in so many for uh, like battling, like you said. Yeah. Let me... I see that it's in uh, Campy Creatures. How does Campy Creatures use it? I love Campy Creatures. One of my favorites. So Campy Creatures, you all have the same deck of monsters. Um, So you have cards numbered 0 through 8, and they all have different abilities on them. Um, So it's used in a similar way to Village Pillage, where you all choose a card and then put it face down, and when you're all ready, you reveal the card. Um, But what's interesting about Campy Creatures is the point of the game is to capture mortals. So you are playing as these monsters, and you want to capture mortals that are worth varying amounts of points. But you kind of get a choice as to which mortals you want to capture. Mm -hmm. So if if you look at your cards in your hand, the higher number card usually gets to pick the mortal first. But the cards also have individual powers that could negate other cards that people play. So you're trying to plan for, oh, is this person going to play a high a high value card this time? Let me play my card that has a fast power, and that would let me go in before them because some cards have slow powers, other cards have fast Mm -hmm. powers. So, like we said, you reveal your card and then resolve the actions. The cards have different abilities written on them that resolve at different times, but you all pick the initial card that you're playing at the same time. And then uh, you're trying to capture these mortals, and then the expansion that came out has locations that you can capture as well that if you like pick the haunted house, like if you somehow win the haunted house, it might give you a bonus to your number. Um, it's just a really fun game, and the art is is awesome. Um, I would put it in there with Village Pillage for like a, a quick, fun, easy to learn and teach game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really enjoy that one. I think that uses simultaneous action selection really really well. Um, mm-hmm. That also makes me think of another pro to the mechanic. Yeah, uh, I know that when Nick was on the podcast last week, he was talking about, I guess, what type of gamer and uh, I am, and how uh, player interaction is really important. Uh, you really care what everyone else is doing in simultaneous action selection. It really, I think, enhances the gaming experience because everything that you do depends on what other people are choosing, and you really want to know what they are choosing or what they will do. So it makes it much more of a group experience. And I don't think any game that has um, simultaneous action selection would ever lead to multiplayer solitaire, where you're all just kind of doing your own thing and not caring about the other people. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Um, I've been trying to find think of a game that I don't think it uses it well, and honestly, 
the only reason that I would think various games don't use it well is if I don't like the game itself. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Cards Against Humanity uses it. I don't really like Cards Against Humanity. So. Oh, and I guess Apples to Apples would as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but it's all right if we haven't played any games that we don't like it in it. Yeah, I really think that the only, I mean, I really think the biggest downside to it is if the game has so many options that it causes right. analysis paralysis. I, but other yeah, you than can't that, put I, it in any massive sprawling games, I think. Yeah, I think Tricarian is the highest level I could go that has simultaneous action selection. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. The only thing that uh, I would like to bring up, because I want to really use this peanut butter scale a lot, is uh, just going, <laughs> rounding back out to Castell really quick. Where would you put Castell on the peanut butter scale? Oh man, is is a crunchier is the crunch in the scale the decisions or the I difficulty? Think so. I think it's I think the crunchy part of the scale is the decision making and I think smooth is more like it plays quick, easy. There's not so much to think about when you're when you're playing the game. All right, I'm going to say it is a Smooth peanut butter with some good things to think about because it plays quickly. It feels like such a streamlined game. It doesn't seem like any part of it is tacked on or excessive or unnecessary. But at the same time, there's enough to think about for it to be enjoyable. I would say it's like taking one big spoon of peanut butter and it's all smooth and there's two peanuts in it. Okay. That's Castell, everyone. That's what I would say. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess that's it for today's show. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to Louisa for the opening jingle. And we will see you all next week. Have a good one.